This is Ready Radio, preparing you to be ready for anything. Now, here's your survival guide for Ready Radio, John Rush. All right, welcome to this uh, Friday edition of Ready Radio. Appreciate you joining us very much. If you're listening to a replay, thank you for that as well. But this is a live show on March the 10th. And I appreciate you joining us very much. As I announced during the week, and you heard the promos running all week long, we've got a very special guest joining us today, Dr. William Forschen. Make sure I say that correctly. Uh, Dr. Forschen, yep. how are you today? I'm doing great. And, yeah, Forschen, just call me Bill. Okay, okay. well, Bill, <laughs> that makes it easy. I appreciate that very much. And I, I have been looking forward to this as soon as I got a – you know, kind of a press release on, you know, you and just, you know, wanting to come on and so on. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've, I've got to get this done. I have I've got audible books of all of the I guess the trilogy, you would call it of, you know, one second after. And I've listened to and 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 have a lot of the same thoughts on things that you even wrote in the book. So it was really you know not only entertaining, but enlightening at the same time. I know, though. There may be some folks out there listening right now that don't know anything about what I'm talking about. So rather than me explaining, I guess, first things first, talk about the trilogy. And there's a new book coming out in August, five years after. Explain all of those real quick. Okay, we'll start with EMP itself, and then we'll go to the book. Okay, perfect. Uh, EMP stands for Electromagnetic Pulse, excuse me, Electromagnetic Pulse Weapons. It's created by lofting through a ballistic missile uh, 200 miles up above the Earth's surface, lofting one to three relatively small nuclear warheads over the eastern United States, western and central, detonating them about 40 to 60 kilotons, three times the size of a Hiroshima bomb. That sets up an electrostatic discharge in the atmosphere. Uh, the technical term is a Compton effect. That discharge comes down, hits the Earth's surface, feeds through all the millions of miles of wiring, and that acts as antennas, and it shorts the system out. In other words, one second after the weapons are detonated, our electrical grid goes down. And just for 30 seconds more, you lose your electricity. That's the fundamental building block of our society. Mm -hmm. So I'll start with a question back to you. You're in Denver, correct? Correct. What happens if you lose your electricity? Will you get your water one day later? Yeah, and that's a, those are great questions, things we talk about on this program all the time. Personally speaking, uh, in my case, uh, I've got you know some hardened things at home that will mm -hmm. allow me to hopefully have power. And again, that's a whole other discussion we can get into, because if you're the yeah. only one with power and no one else does, that probably is a risk in and of itself, which we can right. we can get into. Water, in my case, I've got plenty of storage, and then I've also got uh, a well on my property also, which, which again, aids. But, but I'm unique. I mean, I've got a five-acre property, even though yeah. I'm in the western end of the suburbs, and I'm, I'm fortunate, uh, Bill. I, you know, a lot of folks don't have what I have. They live in you know, really tight-knit neighborhoods and so on, and they do not have the same things I have. Well, you know, you run through what I would call like a – remember the old Maslow hierarchy of needs? Yes. Well, Maslow's hierarchy for the post-CMP world. You lose your war. Within about a day or two, the vast majority of people will be desperate. Right. You lose your food. The average town only has about 20 days max food on hand, from your refrigerator to the trains coming in, if yep. they're not crashing. Yep. 
You lose command and control. Uh, what happens to civil authority within a day or two? And a big one, what happens to medication? Their percentages are on various kinds of medication. You're going to lose all that as well. Right. Two congressional studies. This is a big one. Two congressional studies uh, commissioned some years ago came to the same conclusion. Ninety percent of all Americans would be dead a year after an EMP attack. Wow. Wow. Uh, and I'd wonder because, again, in the books, you know, you 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 know, you you really do a good job, by the way, of not only telling that story, but just sort of the the characters and the backstory of each and what's going on with each individual and the families therein and so on. And I, I think not not saying you did it wrong, but you know, you you paint a picture that I think might even be a little more um, prettier, maybe than what things would actually be like, especially as you get closer to. You know, big cities. And again, the, the story you wrote was on the outskirts or, you know, not in the city, but really more out in the country, yep. if you would, kind of small town America. And, and I don't think you did anything anything wrong. Question I have for you along those lines with everything we've gone through with COVID, because, again, you wrote some of these books quite some time ago. I think the first one was, what, 2009, something along those lines. You know, yep. since COVID hit, uh, has your opinion of how long people would survive in that first 30 to 60 days changed? <laughs> I'm a pessimist on that. Uh, it seemed like we were on edge over COVID, which, yes, killed a million people. That, that's a tragic loss. But people were starting to get kind of squirrely about the whole thing. So a major disaster like, like an EMP, it's all going to come crashing down within a couple of days. You know, right. For example, when Sandy hit New York City in 2012 and blew out lower Manhattan, and Staten Island, within a day, people were standing around the block at McDonald's waving $100 bills, shouting, I just want to buy some burgers, to which the managers were saying, we ain't got no burgers, we don't have any computers to take your money, mm. just go away. Right. They were damn near riots over that. Right, right. I, and I, again, I, I just think it would be a lot worse than even most people would predict. And again, I, I go back to what I said a moment ago. Some folks that have thought ahead and they've got some things that are hardened and they've got the ability to have, you know, electrical generation and things along those lines. You know, question I have along those lines, uh, Bill, is if you're one of the few people around that have that, how much of a target then are you? And if you've got it, should you even oh. use it where people know you have it? Absolutely. You know, friends of mine who went to Sandy, they said that they, they would hold up with somebody who had a generator. They actually were armed. They weren't recording this. They were putting up signs. Uh, you come at us, we're going to shoot. Because the chugging of the generator was drawing people left and right mm -hmm. going, gee, can I, can I just plug in for 15 minutes mm -hmm. and get my cell phone working? Mm -hmm. Well, the cell phones weren't working because the towers were down. Right. Right. Uh, I, I can see, you know, you again, and this is something we talk about here on, on a regular, you know, on our regular Friday show here every hour each week and get into a lot of the things that you and I are talking about right now. And I do my very best to try to bring that awareness, if you would, up again, not not because I want to be the, you, you know, the ultimate pessimist thinking that, the you know, the sky is going to fall tomorrow, but to be real about things and how to be prepared. And even even things like you just mentioned a moment ago, there could be natural type disasters that do things yeah. that most people are not prepared for. It doesn't have to be an EMP. It, it could be some sort of major storm. 
You know, I, I actually got kind of angry when, when joined Sandy. It was like the third day in. And, of course, the top ABC or CBS reporter, he was talking with a woman, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have no water. And the, the little broadcast, and, and, of course, we gave Mrs. Smith five gallons of water and some MREs. All I can say is, why didn't Mrs. Smith fill up the bathtub right. the day before it hit? Right. Why didn't she get some dried soup? Why didn't she get whatever? Because you could have gotten it the day before, but not the day after. That's right. the big thing. The yeah. day after. Yep, yeah, and it's that whole preparedness mindset, which, again, we're trying to change here. And I, and I will say this. We've got a really great listening audience that, that uh, you know, listen to me on all of my other programs as well. And I'm, I'm, my background, just so you know, I'm a car guy. That's kind of the world that I have uh, grown up in and lived in. I owned auto repair shops for some 30-plus years and still do a lot in that industry. So, I, you know, that's me. I'm on that end of things and even, I think, have differences of opinions, by the way, on what some would say will run and not run when there's actually any kind of an EMP like you've got in the books. And I'm more along the lines of you. I don't think anything but the older vehicles will run. I just know enough about the electronics and mm-hmm. how many different computers are on most modern cars. And unfortunately, it keeps getting added and added and added. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. And yes, I know those vehicles um, are insulated from the ground. But if you think about it, just what will be in the air at that time and the fact that there's that many devices on, even if one computer, you know, is saved, you know, Bill, the reality is the other anywhere from eight to 15 other ones probably won't be. Absolutely, yes. And again, it's the whole thing about being prepared. Now, not to try, I don't want to go political. But about three months. Oh, you're very. You're, on, on this program, is you're you're not bothering us <laughs> one bit at all. I do that on a th- my other program that I do three hours a day. That's all we do. So you're not bothering us at all. Okay. The Trump administration about three months before the end mandated to the various departments, DOD, uh, all the all the different initial departments, CIA, etc. To do a comprehensive look at what we have to do to prepare for an EMP. Okay. They were to report about three months after the, uh, the you know, the inauguration. Right. Um, what was going to be done, and then they were going to move for legislative action to start preparing this society for what could be a bad day. The current administration killed that on day one with an executive order. Now they're spending a trillion dollars. Yep. On infrastructure. Yep. You're not spending one damn, and pardon me, I could say a lot worse, one damn dime. You're right. On, on uh, this type of preparedness that we need to do now. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and not to get technical, but even the trillion dollars that they've earmarked towards uh, infrastructure, only about $300 billion of that is infrastructure. The rest, in my opinion, is totally wasted on other social programs we frankly don't need. But to your point, we could be spending the money in areas we should be to harden the things that we have to be prepared for an event like this, which I feel like, and I could be completely wrong, Bill, but I feel like you take... Other countries out there, Russia, China, both of those in collusion with each other right now, desperate countries do desperate things. We both know that they've got the ability to do the very the very thing you wrote about. They have the ability to do. And I, I just look at it and say we're sitting ducks, and I think we're being stupid about it. Well, okay, let's, let's take yet another example. Those large transformers, you know, the substations that some people are starting to shoot up now yes. for whatever reason. Yes. Take a large transformer. It blows out. All right. 
we don't have a stockpile, a strategic nope. reserve stockpile of electrical components. So we order a new large transformer. It takes two years, and guess where it's made? China. You got it. So I saw one moving down the road a couple of weeks ago, and I said to my girlfriend, wow, okay, thank you, China. We finally got one two years later. Yep. Uh, do you think they're going to come running and say, oh, well, we'll, we'll do a Marshall plan. We'll be loaded with stuff within a couple of months. No, they'll sit back and laugh. Yep. Well, and I think that's why, and in, in any of you out there listening, please read the books. They're number one; they're very entertaining, but they're very thought-provoking at the same time. Uh, Bill did a great job writing them. You will not you will not be disappointed in the least in reading them. They're they're just packed full of information. It's very again, it's very thought-provoking, but entertaining at the same time. It's one of those things really where you don't want to put it down. You just want to keep going to the next chapter, the next chapter, the next book, and so on. Uh, but to your point. And I think in, even in your books, you talk about how it's you know roughly a year or so later that power is on, you know, turned back on, you know, isolated, if you would. And I maybe I'm wrong on this, Bill, but I I think you're being pretty gracious in that. I, I don't know if we had a large EMP that took out our power grid coast to coast. I'm not sure we can get it back on in a year. Uh, very good point. Now, in my books, I have them start to string some things back locally. Right. But a DOE study, uh, study about five, six years back, first of all, emphasized the average component in our electrical system is 40 years old. We're running wow. a 1970s, 1980 electrical grid. Yeah. Another study showed that if the 500 major stations and generating systems in the United States shut down, five years later, only 20% would actually be back online. But if the population's cut by maybe ninety percent, we can do that. Yeah, good point. It's, it's, the whole thing is—it's a disaster waiting to happen. It is, but the administration is not addressing it the way they should. No, I agree with you on that. And and uh, in fact, I would say almost the opposite. As I said earlier, we're spending money in areas we shouldn't be. We're not spending it in the areas that we should. We've got. Of course, you know, record inflation, all sorts of other things going on, which is a whole other conversation, which, you know, doesn't help any of what we're talking about when it comes to people even being able to go out and be prepared and do those things. But bottom line, you have to be. You've got to be prepared. You've got to get yourself set and going. And if you're not, um, you know, much like that person you talked about on camera a moment ago, if not, you're going to find yourself like that person, you know, wondering, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? And the problem is there won't be a television crew standing in front of you when these things you're talking about happen. You know, uh, let's address directly to your audience at this point. Yeah, you got some people who are preppers. you you got single moms with two kids in an apartment mm-hmm. who have nothing. It doesn't, every single person, it doesn't take much to be at least prepared for a month. If need be, fill up two down, you know, two liter bottles of soda with water if you use them and Correct. you stash it away. Correct. Go to the supermarket. Canned soup is always on sale. Dried soup, things like that. Yep. Get a simple way of cooking it safely. And we're not going to talk about personal security. That that's your choice. I just tell people get trained. Right. And even something like. A basic water filter system. Yep. You can buy one for about 25 bucks. That's right. You can take water right out of a nearby stream, drain it, and it's safe. Don't, and you're going to be down with salmonella three to five days later. Yep. 
Yeah, no, and, well, as, and as you know, personal hygiene and all those sorts of things, which we cover here on a pretty routine basis. I mean, there's so many different facets. But to your point, the basics, which I agree with you, we're, we're not talking about having, you know, a year long worth of food storage, which I know some folks out there listening probably do. But just to have enough stuff to get by for a month or so. I mean, let's face it, Bill, you know, you can live on cup of noodles or ramen noodles if need be. There's a lot of college kids that do. So if that's what you had to yep, resort to, too. you can eat those. Uh, ha, ha, frozen burritos. I used to live on them. There you go. So, uh, you know, it, it doesn't take much. And, and to talk about personal security for a moment, yeah, I think everybody should be prepared. But the most dangerous thing in the world is somebody holding a gun and saying, it ain't loaded. If you're going to get a firearm, yep. get trained. Yep. Get trained. For, even if you think you know everything. Everybody has bad uh, habits when yes. it comes to firearms. Yes. Get trained. Yes. I, no, fully, fully agree. And, and you know, and I, I was very fortunate in that world. My father started us out, you know, learning how to shoot and handle firearms when we were very, very young. I can remember handling a gun literally at age five, six. I think I got my first real... <laughs> Uh, actual not BB gun, but firearm when I was about 10 years of age. So, but, but, you know, to your point, Bill, not everybody's raised that way and not everybody has that opportunity to kind of grow up in rural America where doing that becomes sort of a weekend habit, if you would. You know, uh, just a 30 second quick story. BB gun, 10 years old. Father came up behind me to ask me how it was going. I crossed the gun across my father. All right. Suddenly, the drill sergeant from World War II came back. He said, lay the weapon on the ground now. He slapped me. The only time I was ever slapped by my father. Mm. And as he explained it to me later, he said, I lost one of my best friends on a rifle range, one, you know, training. And the guy looked back and said, hey, Sarge, the gun isn't yep. his friend's head off. Yep. And we think we know firearms. I, I was trained to think about it. That was 60 years ago. Yep. I still remember yep. clearly. Yep. Oh, because me too. I, I can remember it. even from a very, very young age, some of those very same things you're talking about, you know, being out on the, the range or even just being out in the country and hunting and doing different things and the things that my dad would just continue to drill. He was not from the military, but he would still drill things into our head, literally, Bill. And I can remember those things today vividly. And for me, handling a firearm is just, it's, it's almost second nature because of growing up that way. And I think starting, and, and I think it's one of the mistakes we make today, by the way, is we don't start kids off early enough. We have sort of this paranoia that young kids should not be around firearms. I think it should be quite the opposite. The more they're around them and the more they understand them, the less problems we're going to have. You know, a few less drag shows and maybe a gun safety course instead. Would Amen. Nice. You got that right. Amen. <laughs> okay, before we before I go to break, I do want to get this in. i got to take a quick break. I want to come back and keep talking. But before I do yeah. that, talk about the new book coming out in August. As we sit here talking, I'm staring at the computer screen with 10 pages to go on the copy edit. It's called, uh, what is it? Five Years After. Five Years After. Five Okay. <laughs> I'm numb. I, I just ordered it. That's why I know it's there. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, in fact, once the advanced copies come out, stay in touch with my publicist, and I'll be sending them okay. to you. All right. But, but yeah, it, it picks up the story five years later. The first three books, one second after, one year after in the final days, they're out there. 
Uh, just sounding like crazy, and we even have a television series in the works. Oh, awesome, so, awesome. All right, hold that thought. We're going to come right back. By yeah. the way, if any of you have questions, feel free to text me. I'll get them answered. Again, we have got Dr. William Fortune with us, and I uh, appreciate and, and Bill for short, but if you've got a question for Bill, please text me, 307 200 307 282 We'll be right back. Don't forget Stack Optical as we talk through all of this preparedness. Don't forget your eyesight and what you have when it comes to that day, if that day comes, and being able to see will be of the utmost importance. And Alan Stack at Stack Optical can help you with all of that and even customizing what you need for those types of events and even shooting and the things we just talked about with Bill a moment ago. Alan can design whatever you need for eyewear for whatever you're looking to do. And he, he just customizes Customizes it to you. And by the way, at the end of the day, uh, everything fits and works. So 303-321-1578, that's Stack Optical. In such an uneasy and unpredictable time that we live in, growing your own food is becoming a necessity. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is a local family-owned and operated business that specializes in custom cedar greenhouses. Owners Jason and Annette have over 35 years of construction management experience and have built multi-million dollar greenhouse structures all over the country. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is one of the few companies that specializes in geothermal heating. Geothermal heating utilizes the sun's light and heat to create an amazing year-round growing opportunity. Their geothermal heating has proven to be a gardener's dream even in our cold Colorado winters. They can provide a custom consultation that includes an evaluation of your site and then provide recommendations and a custom plan for all your growing needs. Call Colorado Greenhouse Builders at 720-539-9806 or find them at ready-radio.com. That's ready-radio.com. You need a roof that is going to keep you and yours protected from the Colorado elements this winter. But having a reliable, functioning roof doesn't mean you should have to compromise your bank account. Here at Roof Savers Colorado, we try to save every client from the expense of a costly replacement with a rejuvenation treatment. This 100% plant-based product gives you new roof performance without new roof costs. But sometimes a replacement is absolutely necessary. With over 20 plus years of roofing experience, we believe in helping you determine the right solution for your family. For any roofs that do not qualify for the treatment, we work with your insurance so you can get the replacement you need. Contact Dave Hart, owner of Roof Savers Colorado today, and he will inspect your roof to see if it qualifies for the treatment. Call 303-710-6916. That's 303-710-6916. Or go to RoofSaversCO.com today to ensure your family is protected. Do you know that your windshield is getting more expensive to replace? Most vehicles have options that help keep the vehicles from avoiding accidents or even keep it in the traffic lane. These windshields require more than just a replacement of the glass. They also require a calibration of the computer system to make sure everything is operational to the specifications the manufacturer set when the vehicle was built. You can't trust the traveling glass replacement shop to do these necessary calibrations as they require special equipment and in most cases an indoor shop to perform the calibration. We have two Novus locations that can replace your windshield and also do these calibrations. Novus Fort Collins and Novus Sterling. Both are fully equipped with the latest technology to service your vehicle properly. Find either location by going to any of our websites, ready-radio.com, drive-radio.com, or fixitradio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass. Glass. 
All right, we're back. Ready Radio, KLZ 560. Dr. William Forstchen is joining us today. Bill, for short, which we appreciate him taking time out of his day to join us. And, and Bill, by the way, too, Charlie was just reminding me, you, you have not just written this series when it comes to, you know, EMPs and, and sort of that, you know, apocalyptic, uh, you know, time on Earth, if that ever does happen. You've done all sorts of other works as well. Yeah, well, I started out as a sci-fi writer back in the early 80s. Uh, did a number of books, went back to graduate school, got a Ph.D. in history, wound up with uh, my, my friend Newt Cambridge. We wrote 10 history novels together. Cool. Uh, one that I really enjoyed, uh, I was contracted with NASA to write a major book about the a novel about building space elevators. So, yeah, I've written on a diversity of subjects. Very cool. Okay, so I, I always have to ask, you know, what got you on the EMP end of things and even just starting that first book one second after? I mean, I can, I, you know, configure why the ones came after, but why that first one? Why one second after? To, to do you have a minute for a quick short story? Oh, we got, yeah, we, we've got, uh, I mean, this is an hour program. I'll keep you as long as you oh, want to stay, great. so you tell me. Great, I love that. All right. It was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> uh, I was a grad student. The one in 500 year ice storm was slamming central Indiana. All right. I barely made it home from class and sat curled up with my dog in the middle of the night as trees are crashing down, transformers are exploding, and came out the following morning in Lafayette, Lafayette Indiana, as a disaster zone. Everything was down. There were sections of central Indiana that would not get the power back for over 30 days because the high-tension lines were all blown off. Mm. But for the first two or three days, you know, I, I was getting by. By day five, things were getting squirrely. Suddenly, there are police and National Guardsmen following the power trucks because people were swarming them, blocking them off, screaming for help. One guy told me how he's trying to string something up, and he hears a yoo-hoo, and, he goes, and, and a woman is standing there with nothing on saying, I really want my power back. <laughs> well, it, was, it was surreal. Crazy. A university town going to the edge, and I had been studying EMP in graduate classes. I filed it away. And then, oh, it was 10 or 11 years later, the book finally just hit me big time. And if you got 30 seconds more for that. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Keep I, going. This is great. I love it. I was struggling to try and write a novel about EMP, but I was stuck in the Tom Clancy model. You know, the hero, mm-hmm. they had got, you know, mm-hmm. three weapons, we get one. Man. It wasn't going anywhere. It was just derivative. I was sitting in my college's graduation ceremony. I teach at Montreal College. It's a small, wonderful uh, Christian college, specializes now in cybersecurity. 90 degrees, graduation speaker was droning on and on and on. I'm looking at my audience with my kids, and I called a God moment. It really was. The whole story exploded in me. I'll write a novel about us, about what would happen in a small town. And that launched me on the book, interviewing people left and right, and then it took four years, but I finally had it published and it became a bestseller. Wow. 
I just and just so you know, you I don't know whether this uh, will mean anything or not, but I've had the opportunity on numerous occasions uh, over the years here on my other radio program to actually interview uh, Dr. Peter Vincent Pry, which, as you know, is one of oh, the God, you yes, know experts please. in that. So, you know, he's died. I did know that not that long. It's what it's been been a few months ago, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Peter Peter was indeed my inspiration. He was the Godfather. Became good friends with him. He was uh, the lone warrior for 30 years trying to get yep. the word out yep. before Congress. He worked himself into the grave, actually. God wow. bless him. Wow. Uh, he passed about three months ago, and yeah. he was much missed. I would always defer to him. I said, he, yeah, interview me as a novelist, but if you want the hardcore science stuff, go to Dr. Peter Pry. He was great. Now, we've, like I said, we've interviewed him on numerous occasions, which every time was was a joy, and, and to your point, yes, he was very much always trying to raise the alarm on, on you know, what we've got going on in that world, and, and, or the lack thereof, I should say. And I almost feel like, and, and tell me whether I'm, I'm thinking correctly, but I almost feel like you know, he's been sort of that lone wolf. He's been out there, and then folks like you as well, you know, trying to raise the alarm, writing books, doing different things. But it seems like the farther down the road we get, which, by the way, is my biggest concern, the farther, farther down the road we get, the less we're paying attention. It's almost like, oh, you know, it hasn't happened in 30 years. Why would it happen now? I think all of this is just a bunch of bunk. No, you know, none of this really matters. And I almost feel like we're, we're getting down the road farther and we're having less attention paid, even though, in my opinion, we're getting closer and closer to that event. You know, I'll, I'll disagree in one sense. I'm amazed at the number of people, citizens, us, you know, we the people, who are aware. Well, you, no, no, no. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, no, thank you. I, I meant governmentally but speaking. Sorry, governmentally the speaking. Itself, the government has gone backwards on it. Yes. Now, some states are starting to react. Local power consortiums are reacting. South Carolina is a good example of they're starting to move forward. But, yeah, uh, no, no. We're going to put in more windmills. We're going to put in this. We're going to put in that with, with the Green New Deal. Right. And that has subsumed the real concerns, the, the real concerns about our actual infrastructure vulnerability. We're not paying attention on that end. And mainstream media, I blame as well. Uh, they just are not, some people are taking it seriously, like Glenn Beck and others. Right. But well, he's not mainstream media is the problem. To, yeah, the, the word has to get out there that people, it ain't going to be windmills that's going to save your future. Nope. It's a Build robust electrical system, and, and, and along those lines too. And, and again, I, th- this is just uh, to me, uh, it's amazing. We, comp- you know, everything you just said, fully agree with. Compound that now with the fact that we've got less and less individuals like myself that actually can go and fix something. Where the trades have pretty uh, much diminished. We we don't do that anymore. We've got an entire society literally where if they need something, they pick up the phone and call somebody to have it done, or they go to Amazon, or they go wherever. You know, the ability for people to think through, critically think, and solve a problem, it's less now than it's ever been. Uh, I think an excellent example is this. Uh, on the evening of December 7th, 1941, uh, the carrier Enterprise, which was out of port, no conspiracy, just was out of port, yep. from steam into Pearl Harbor, hauled me on the bridge, and he turned to one of his staff and he said, by the time we're done with them, blank, 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 Japanese will be in extinct language. In 1,000 days, 
it only takes, I think, 44 months, or it might be 45, we want from a third-rate military power to the most powerful force on the face of the earth because we built it at home. Yep. The factories, you know, all those yep. old documentaries you would see, the factories we built, for example, Willow Run, we built that from scratch within about a year. That's right. And we mass-produced thousands of B-24s. That's right. With American labor doing it. I would give anything to see that type of... The, the study today to would take that long before you could ever put a shovel in the ground, Bill. Yeah. Yeah, and then there would be some sort of dark nail or whatever worm out there that would hold it up for another yep. five years. Yep. Yeah, so that, like, that's my like that's my fear. I, I just, I, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be a pessimist, and and I try to be very real, and and even you know, I'm I'm a realist and optimist. Uh, realist optimist is probably the way I would describe myself. So I do try to tend to look at things on the brighter side, if you would. But my biggest fear with where we are as a country is just the simple fact that. The majority of younger people, and I'm 58, and I don't, you know, maybe I'm, I'm I guess I'm getting old. I don't feel that old anymore, Bill. But um, you know, the <laughs> majority—that's <laughs> it's, it's right. And the, but the majority of younger people, you know, let's face it, they just they. Str- I watch some of them even use tools at times. I'm thinking to myself, we are in trouble. You don't even know how to use a screwdriver properly. Well, you know, uh, in terms of like government bureaucracy, I'm a real big fan of Musk and SpaceX. He's going to take us to the moon and beyond. Right. But he is stymied every step of the way by the FDA and EPA and others because it might be a Native American burial site down by a beach that's actually covered with beer cans and trash. Oh, there's a Native American burial mound. A rocket might fall on it. Oh, there's an endangered butterfly there. And they tie him up for months, right. years. Right. No, you Matt, no, you're right. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you are 100% correct. And, and again, the, those are some of the fears that I have. Is, is, I'll just say it as is. We are becoming a very soft, what can government do for me next society, which, again, is part of the plan of government right now. And I also believe it's why, Bill, we're not focused, you know, governmentally speaking. Yes, there's some towns and cities, and I know some of those, even some folks in Kansas that are really trying to get hardened and prepare for some of these things. But in general, on a federal level, we are definitely not paying attention to this. And I think it's because they they want their thumb on the people. Fact of the matter is, though, if something like this happens, if there is a a big EMP, federal government's gone anyways. It, It doesn't exist. I remember one interview... Well, at the end of the interview, uh, with a guy, I think he was out of Omaha, uh, he said, now let me get this straight. Everything goes. I said, yeah. And he said, if that include the IRS, well, maybe. Screw <laughs> it. Let it happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and, you know, while we laugh at that, the average person, many of them rely on something government is doing to meet the basic yes. needs that they have, and they're not going to know what to do when that doesn't exist any longer. Yes, exactly. And, and you know, you, you really emphasize a major point there, that we're a place and throw away society. Something doesn't work, we throw it out, we call up Amazon, two days later we get a new one. Correct. And when was the last time we repaired things, learned basic skills? It just doesn't exist no. anymore. And, and, you know, I know a lot of good kids that I teach at a wonderful college. You know, there's small-town kids. A lot of them still have that ability. Oh, we lost Bill. So 
I tell you what, Charlie, let's take a break right now, see if you can get Bill back, and we'll just proceed once we get him back. Ready Radio, KLZ 560. You need a roof that is going to keep you and yours protected from the Colorado elements this winter. But having a reliable, functioning roof doesn't mean you should have to compromise your bank account. Here at Roof Savers Colorado, we try to save every client from the expense of a costly replacement with a rejuvenation treatment. This 100% plant-based product gives you new roof performance without new roof costs. But sometimes a replacement is absolutely necessary. With over 20 plus years of roofing experience, we believe in helping you determine the right solution for your family. For any roofs that do not qualify for the treatment, we work with your insurance so you can get the replacement you need. Contact Dave Hart, owner of Roof Savers Colorado today, and he will inspect your roof to see if it qualifies for the treatment. Call 303-710-6916. That's 303-710-6916. Or go to RoofSaversCO.com today to ensure your family is protected. Do you know that your windshield is getting more expensive to replace? Most vehicles have options that help keep the vehicles from avoiding accidents or even keep it in the traffic lane. These windshields require more than just a replacement of the glass. They also require a calibration of the computer system to make sure everything is operational to the specifications the manufacturer set when the vehicle was built. You can't trust the traveling glass replacement shop to do these necessary calibrations as they require special equipment and in most cases an indoor shop to perform the calibration. We have two Novus locations that can replace your windshield and also do these calibrations. Novus Fort Collins and Novus Sterling. Both are fully equipped with the latest technology to service your vehicle properly. Find either location by going to any of our websites, ready-radio.com, drive-radio.com, or fixitradio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass. Have you been thinking about a new pair of glasses? Maybe some prescription sunglasses. We'll look no further than Stack Optical. Since 1968, yes, you heard me right. Since 1968, Stack Optical has been providing the most comprehensive quality ocular care for their patients. This family-owned business is proud to be one of the few optical offices that has their own on-site eyeglass production and eyeglass repair studio. Stack Optical, located at 2233 South Monaco Parkway, features the most extensive lines of eyeglass frames, sunglasses, and contact lenses to ensure that you love your appearance and experience superior comfort. Our comprehensive eye exams proactively diagnose eye conditions and diseases while providing the most accurate vision care. We welcome you to experience a lifetime of superior ocular care from doctors that are devoted to your eye health. Call now for your $69 eye exam, 303-321-1578. At Stack Optical, you'll see the difference. In such an uneasy and unpredictable time that we live in, growing your own food is becoming a necessity. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is a local family-owned and operated business that specializes in custom cedar greenhouses. Owners Jason and Annette have over 35 years of construction management experience and have built multi-million dollar greenhouse structures all over the country. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is one of the few companies that specializes in geothermal heating. Geothermal heating utilizes the sun's light and heat 
heat to create an amazing year-round growing opportunity. Their geothermal heating has proven to be a gardener's dream, even in our cold Colorado winters. They can provide a custom consultation that includes an evaluation of your site and then provide recommendations and a custom plan for all your growing needs. Call Colorado Greenhouse Builders at 720-539-9806 or find them at ready-radio.com. That's ready-radio.com. All right, we are back. Dr. William Forston joining us today, Bill for short. And Bill, again, thanks. And I know we dropped, dropped you there for a minute, but it gave me an opportunity to get our second set of uh, commercials in, so it worked out really well. And we kind of ended with the fact that we're in a society where I'm afraid we just have less and less people able to do things on their own. They're more and more dependent upon government, which means when government no longer exists and can no longer help them, what do they do? That's the question that I have for you. Okay, you know, I wrote a rather successful science fiction series about 20 years ago called Lost Regiment. Okay. And it was about 450 Union soldiers who, who they wind up on another world, all right? And they decide they're going to have to fight a war with some bad guys. But the whole thing became, of that 450 men um, a New England town, how many men back then knew how to fix a steam engine or make one from scratch? knew how to refine things, knew how to make guns, knew how to do this, knew how to do that. And, of course, they, of course, eight books, they become successful. Today, you take a 747 plane, crash it on a remote island, all 400 people survive. Can they replicate anything? No. No. They'll be standing there going, gee, good, where do I go to the bathroom here? Right. Right. No, I, I think that it's the majority no of people out there don't really know even what, you know, what the products we have today, you know, how they're even made, what they consist of, what some of the basic building blocks are. I think there's a very, very small portion of society today that knows any of that. You know, uh, there's a great series. It's old, but it's great. It's called Connections by James Burke. I recommend it to everyone. Okay. And one of the, he talks about, that increasingly we know less and less and less about the world we live in. For example, a person steps into an elevator. How do they know it's going to work? Mm. How do they know that it's going to be delivered safely to the next floor? All that goes into it, they don't. They just automatically push the button, it's going to work. Mm -hmm. Our whole society is based on push the button, yep. and it's going to work. Yep. And the day, if the, if in fact that day comes which I, I think it may very well, just my own thought process, if and when that day comes and they push the button and nothing happens, they, they won't have any idea what to do next. They won't. They and really then what? I, and and, and by know, the way, and, and some of this, Bill, I know firsthand, just again from running auto shops as long as I did, I owned auto shops from, well, grew up in an automotive world, the car dealership world, and had my own auto shops up until 2012, where I sold two of them off and still coach in that world a lot. So I'm very involved in, in, in that end of things. And I can tell you from just my own experience with individuals, and by the way, I, this is nothing in, in regards to sex, male, female, young, old, doesn't make any difference. The amount of people that can even tell you what's going on with their car when it's not working properly, nonetheless <laughs> tell you what might actually be wrong, it is few and far between. You know a very interesting problem. Line up 100 people today and say, go change that tire. Yeah, good point. 
<laughs> great point. Most people don't even know how to do that. Oh, anymore. that is a great point. No, you you are spot yeah. on. And again, and I say all that not to make fun of people, but really to raise the alarm, if you would, or the awareness that given that fact of what you just said, if there's some sort of major catastrophe, I read another book recently called, you know, Total Power, where it wasn't an EMP that took out the the electrical grid. It was actually hackers and it was done in that manner. Either way, ended up with basically the same result. And, you know, bottom line, without power, the majority of people would not know how to function tomorrow. You know, I, okay, a 10-second uh, promo for my college. Montreat College, uh, Montreat, North Carolina, we had a cybersecurity program with 180 students in it now. Those kids are going to graduate. I was just talking with some of them yesterday. They're going to graduate into eighty and $100,000 a year jobs. And I laughingly said, how many of you are studying in medieval lesbian studies? What do you think you're going to get paid? The number of people that have to be trained, we have a shortage of over 30 thousand people are decimated just in the basic areas of cybersecurity. Most people don't even understand that anymore. Mm. So the ability to handle these types of problems is it, just simply not out there for most people today. Yep. You're right. Which means, and so I try to tell people here on a, on a weekly basis, if you can just be a little bit of head, a little bit ahead of the next guy, the next family, the next whatever, you know, you'll survive, you'll be fine. You just have to be a little sharper than the next. And given what you and I are talking about right now, I, I'm, I'm sorry to say it's not going to take a lot. So if you've just got a little bit of preparation in you and you've done a little bit along the lines of what we've talked about today, food, water, basic necessities, security, being able to defend yourself and so on, you'll be one of those that win because to your point, uh, the, the majority of the others aren't going to, they're not going to be around. Well, particularly in an urban area, the last thing you want to do is be out on the street yeah. on day two. Yeah, yeah. If you can hole up in your apartment, and if you got security, great, whatever, or you group together with some other people, and you can sit it out for those first two or three weeks, that will be the difference between life and death Agreed. for quite a few of you. So, so here's a question for you, and, and again, you kind of talk about this a little bit when yeah. you start in the book, although not complaining but the way you start the book – uh, your character is actually at home and has a vehicle nearby that he's able to get in and then go evaluate what's going on and so on. What if you're one of the many thousands, millions of people that ends up on the freeway? Because I, I also have a prediction that when somebody uh, you know, in a foreign country or, or an adversary would, were to launch a weapon like this, I believe, like you wrote, it will be in a rush hour type time frame. I think it'll also be, uh, I think it'll be weather uh, dependent as well. I think they'll look at the weather and find out when the worst possible time to launch something like that on America would be, and they'll use all those different things to their advantage. But I think most people will actually be out in rush hour traffic uh, and at some point. If that's the case, how do you get home? That, you know, I, my girlfriend and I went to Prague last fall, but before we left, you know, I even left, left a note to my daughter. If something happens, you know what to do. Every car Every car should have what I call a God bag. Get out of Dodge. Yep. In that bag, just a couple of cans or bottles of water, uh, a couple of days' worth of food, an emergency blanket, and also silver. Just some silver quarters, maybe a silver dollar or two. You'd be surprised how quickly when money doesn't work, 
people are going to revert back to, well, that's a silver dollar. I'll, I'll trade that for five gallons of gas. Right. Right. And, of course, and I'm able to do this in Colorado. We've got the not every state does and not every city does. But in Colorado, you can have a concealed weapon uh, permit, which, right. you know, I do. And that's another item, frankly, I feel will will allow you to get from A to B. If you've got the ability to defend yourself and get from A to B and at least not have what you have on you stolen, you're, you're still going to be better than everybody else. Well, remember in, in my novel, uh, you know, one second after, uh, the main character meets what will become his future love interest. Right. Her beamer is stuck on the road. Right. He, he doesn't stop to help her, though, because there's some bad guys there. But what tells him it's going to be all right for now is a truck driver shows him a pistol. Correct. And just sort of not. I'm keeping an eye on things. Right. It's going to be that within a couple of hours. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, as soon as people start to figure out, wait a minute, uh... This is a lot bigger than we think. It's not just a traffic accident that has caused all this. Everybody's car has stopped running. Now, there will be, I I do believe, a lot of bewilderment in probably the first hour or two. So my feeling is you've got a little bit of a cushion where, you know, if you're within walking distance of home and something like that happens, I would say you, you, to your point, Bill, get your bag, get out of your car, start start hoofing it. And if you can hoof it in a way to where you're not on some of those main thoroughfares, you're even going to be better off. In other words, stay out of that traffic area because now you're more of a target, in my opinion. But I think, and I could be wrong, but I think you've got an hour or two maybe of bewilderment, but after that, people are going to figure out what's going on. Funny story. It was some months after my book was published. I actually did some workshops with administration at my college to figure out what to do. It's a dark and stormy night again, all right? My daughter and I are watching this huge thunderstorm breaking loose and summoning the entire valley below me one dark, not just locally, all the way to Asheville. My daughter goes, Daddy, is your cell phone work? Yeah, it's not an EMT. Well, about a minute or two later, the phone rings. It's one of the top administrators. He said, oh, my God, Bill, is this it? Is this an EMT? <laughs> I, I couldn't read this. I said, we're screwed. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty funny. I calmed him down. Said, no, no, no. I got half a dozen calls within the next hour or two of, my husband's in the basement, he's pulling stuff out, would you tell him it's not the real thing? That's but hilarious. It does hit. It will be overwhelming. He thinks the cell phone ain't going to work, the car might work, maybe not, whatever. But Yeah, I, I'm, and again, being a car guy like I am, uh, I think some might on a limited basis and... Yeah. The, re- the reason I say that is there's there are some, you know, ECMs, you know, the engine control module where they're they're shielded, if you would. They're built inside of an aluminum case, although they're not completely shielded as far as their wiring goes. So they may not, you know, they may not even work. They may be they may be at fault. That, you know, that was a question I had for you as well. You know, Dr. Peter Pry back in the day, you know, they did some testing, and this has been about 20 years ago now, to where they put some vehicles yeah. in a building. They they <laughs> launched, you know, kind of a quote-unquote, you know, EMP, if you would, and a lot of the vehicles started and ran. My problem with that test is I don't think that was a real-world test. Oh, 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 but there's, there's, but there's weight. There's more on this test. That test, they kept upping the EMP level, which you can do locally inside a building. And, okay. and some of the cars finally started to short off. They stopped the test. Why? Because they were rental cars and they had to take them back. <laughs> okay, I didn't know that part. Thank yes. you. I didn't know that. <laughs> well, no wonder. 
they didn't take 25 government vehicles and fly the crap out of them. They just, the moment it started going, oh, well, this is going to work. Well, wait, wait, we got to get these rental cars back. Oh, uh, no wonder. Yeah, okay, well, again, being a car guy, my premise, I, I don't think I'm I'm far off. I think some electronics will survive. Most won't. The problem in today's vehicle, as you know, Bill, the majority of them works, you know, their CAN bus system, they all work in conjunction with one another, and when one module doesn't work properly, it can affect every other done. system on the car, and it's only going to take two or three modules even, not even the main computer, but two or three modules not working correctly. That vehicle's not running. Right, Exactly. So uh, I'm I'm one that says I don't think the majority of them will run. Let's say only 10% go. Okay, picture the the Washington Beltway or the the, the Beltway around Denver. That's right. If if 10% of the vehicles go, you're gridlocked. You're you're not going anywhere. Even if yours runs, you're not going anywhere. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yes, yeah, and, and... and, and I think it's more the opposite. I think it'll be 10 to 20 that might run, and 80 to 90 are not going to run. That's my prediction. I'm going to hang on to you because, you got, well, here again, I don't know how a car really works anymore. I did when they were, you know, when I was 18, but right. not now. Oh. So I'm going to rely on you. Okay. Well, you do. I know I'd be more than happy to help out any way I can. I, again, I love all your works. And for all of you listening, uh, Bill's last name, it's F-O-R-S-T-C-H-E-N. But literally, if you just go type in one second after, you'll get a link to him and all the different things that he's done. Very, very easy to find. We'll link some of these things up on our website as well. And, and again, one more time, Bill, the new book coming out five years after, I, I, I know I pre-ordered on Audible today. Can folks pre-order the regular hardcover book? Yes, they can pre-order both. That's your better bookstores. I, I tend to go to Amazon, but yeah, Barnes and Nobles and, and whatever. Yeah, you, you can order it. I'm not sure on pub date. We were originally saying May or June. It might be August. I saw August on what I looked at, but, you know, yeah. hey, whatever. I'll wait. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I'm looking forward to it either way. And, again, lots well, of I'll other just, works that you have done as well. I'll just, just stay in touch with me, and in about six weeks we'll have advanced copies. Perfect. And I'll make sure one gets your one. I, I appreciate that very much. Bill, this has been a joy. Like I said, when I saw your name come up, it was just, I'm like, okay, got to get on that. And you were very gracious. It only took about a week to get you on air. And I appreciate that very much. You're a wealth of knowledge, oh, I, I, and I, you write great books. This was one hour that went way too quick. I've had a great time. Well, thank you, Bill. I appreciate it very much, and I'll let you go. Thank you again. And anything comes up, new book, anything along those lines, you are welcome to come back anytime. Okay, we'll keep you posted. I've, lo- I've loved talking to you. It's been a joy, sir. Get, get the word out there. That's the main We're thing doing it, sir. We're doing it. You bet. Appreciate it very much. And, folks, again, thank you. I really appreciated him joining us. And to me, that was a, very much a treat. Maybe not for all of you, but me personally, just after reading the different books that he's got um, and just uh, really, how, how should I say, bringing – an awareness even on my end of things that I didn't have prior after listening, you know, reading his books, listening to him talk and so on. He gets into some things in the books that most people don't think about. One of them you heard him talk about a moment ago that we've talked about here on Ready Radio a lot is medications. It's one of the first things I think people forget that if the power is out for any length of time and you rely on medications on a daily basis and that order does not come or you can't run down to the pharmacy to get whatever that happens to be, insulin or what have you, 
you're in trouble. You've got to make sure you've got that stuff dialed in on the front side. All right, before we end today's program, there's a special event coming up Saturday, April 9th, Elbert County Fairgrounds. So they've had some preparedness expos there in the past. This is a self-reliance marketplace. So they're basically going to have a bunch of different people there, workshop vendors and so on. There'll be demonstrations, everything from how to garden. Of course, uh, Greenhouse, our, our you know Colorado Greenhouse builders, Annette and Jason, they'll both be there. Long tomb, sorry, long term food storage, how to raise your own livestock, uh, everything from sprouts, rate, you know, handling medicine even on your own, uh, seeds, the right kind, what to buy, beekeeping, and then of course firearms, ammunition, all of that as well. It's the Self Reliance Marketplace, Elbert County Fairgrounds, Saturday, April the eighth. Now, Annette. And some of her crew are going to join me the week prior. We can talk a little bit more about that, which isn't that far out, by the way. About a month from now is all. That'll be from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And you can actually go to albertcountystandsup.com. Albertcountystandsup.com. They are one of the few counties, by the way, in our area where they're actually taking this preparedness end of things Seriously, again, one of the few counties. You're not seeing this in Douglas, Jeffco, Adams, Boulder, and so on. You're seeing this in Elbert County. So for those of you around the whole metro area, if you want to have a resource where you can go and learn some of these things, it will be on that particular day, Saturday, April the 8th, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And again, we will have uh, Annette and her crew on about a week prior to that to even talk more about that. But again, we try to give you guys as much information and resources as we can and i think bill said a lot you know it's more of making sure that even you survive that first month if there's some sort of a large any kind of an emp a power outage any kind of problem along those lines how are you going to survive the first month he had some great advice you're going to hunker down you're going to wait some things out you're going to want to make sure that you survive because frankly the rest of the world the rest of the country is not going to. And I think one thing that he you know, shared with us just a few minutes ago is even some of the predictions he had in his book that he wrote back in 09 has been revised, and he's thinking it's going to be a lot more calamity than what he even wrote about. But, again, get the book one second after, or you can get all the books if you'd like, but it's one second after, one year after, the final day, 48 hours, and then five years after is coming up here in the uh, later summer months. So, guys, that's Ready Radio. Ready-radio.com is where you go. Rush to Reason is up next. Thanks for listening. This is KLZ 560. The views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.